Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapters 11 and 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In Acts chapter 11, And we pick up our study in verse 27. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. In these days, in verse 27, the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. And then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And then the disciples, in verse 29, note this, watch this, each according to his what? Ability determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Stop right there. Give me your attention. There was a prophet, according to the scriptures, and his name is Agabus, who came from Jerusalem. Agabus was showed by the spirit that a famine was coming on the land. How did the Spirit show Agabus that there was a famine coming on the land? We don't know. The Bible does not tell us. Perhaps it was through a vision. Perhaps it was through a word from God. Perhaps God intervened in his life some way. We don't know. But what we do know is that the Spirit of God spoke to, showed Agabus that there was a famine coming on the land. We know from Roman history that there was a famine uh, in the days of Claudius Caesar. And so Agabus brings this word that there's a famine coming on the land. And the Christians, did you notice this, generously begin to collect money and to send uh, money to the mother church. Now, I like that. I love that. These Christians who are in Antioch, remember this. The church in Antioch is a Gentile church. The church in Antioch, being a Gentile church, remember the Jews had a real hard time believing that the Holy Spirit had fallen on the Gentile church. And so I love that the fact that these Gentile Christians in Antioch sent money to the Jewish Christians up in Jerusalem because it shows that, that these Antioch Christians were really born-again Christians because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and because they were walking in love for their brethren. Saints, listen. If you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, that will be demonstrated by love. Well, you mean if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not demonstrated by speaking in tongues? Possibly. But greater than speaking in tongues is love. Remember, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. So these, 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 these Jewish, these, these Gentile believers in the city of Antioch, 
It's showing the, the, the Jewish believers that they truly have been changed by the power of God and that they truly have been filled by the Holy Spirit because they're walking in love and they're helping them and sending support. You know, this makes me think of Y2K. You guys remember Y2K? Was that not the biggest fiasco you ever heard in your life? Goodness gracious, folk were going out buying guns and grains and generators. We're paying $4,000 for a generator. Y2K's coming, head for the hills. You know, buying these generators and stuff, Y2K came and Y2K went and nothing happened. And those same generators you could buy at a garage sale the very next week for $5. (laughs) You should have waited. But the thing about Y2K was that what? People were hoarding During Y2K, people began to hoard. It's interesting that when these guys hear of a catastrophe, they didn't hoard, they helped. They didn't gather up, they gave out. These Christians in Antioch not only had Christ-like character, but they also had Christ-like love. So God showed Agabus that a famine was coming on the land. I love that. And before we leave this text and get into chapter 12, you got to see something here. Look at verse 29 again. Then the disciples, each according to his what saints? Ability. You see that? Each man determined. Each man was willing. I find it interesting that they didn't beg for money. They didn't take up five offerings. Amen. They didn't, they didn't chide the people like you low lives in Antioch. You got money. Your brother church is suffering. You give your money. They didn't do any of that. Each man determined. Each man willingly. We've talked about this a hundred times, guys. Listen, you need to willingly, cheerfully give unto the Lord. Amen? And give to the work of God. Willingly and cheerfully. That's what these guys did. It was Winston Churchill who said this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I love that. Well, chapter 12. In this chapter... We say goodbye to Peter. Look at chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Now about that time. Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of the unleavened bread. And so when he had arrested him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Now, again, stop right there. Give me your attention. In the Bible, if you're a good Bible student, you know that there are lots of Herods in the Bible. We won't take time to go over them. I will tell you this. This particular Herod at this time is Herod Agrippa I. He is the grandson of Herod the Great. This Herod was the favorite of Roman emperors, and he wanted to please Rome. This Herod also was half Jewish, and he wanted to please the Jews. And so he began to persecute the church, and he killed James, the brother of John. And being the political guy that he was, he realized that the people liked it when he killed Christians. And so he took Peter as well and sought to kill Peter by, first of all, putting him in prison. James, you know, perhaps, do you know, James is one of the, what I call the dynamic trio. 
Remember, Peter, James, and John spent a lot of time with Jesus. Peter, James, and John were considered the inner circle. They went everywhere with Jesus. You might remember when Jesus called Peter, James, and John, they were fishing business partners. We find that in Luke chapter 5, verse 10. When Jesus raised a little girl from the dead, three guys saw the miracle. Don't you remember who were those three guys? Peter, James, and John. Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and three guys saw the glory of the Lord. Who were they? Peter, James, and John. Jesus went off to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and three disciples were with him. Who were they? You guessed it. Peter, James, and John. These guys hung out with Jesus, and they went everywhere with Jesus. They were a pillar and the foundational stones of the church. So I tell you that to tell you this. When James was dead, when James was killed, this obviously hit the church hard. Tradition tells us that James was beheaded. James was an influential piece in the church, and yet he was a young guy. And yet he was just starting his ministry. Don't you ever wonder why the good die young? Well, then somebody wrote the song. Only the good die young or something. And, and, and it's true. I mean, it seems that, that, that people used in ministry, powerfully used of God. Do you ever know somebody like that? It seems like in their life they were being used of God and all of a sudden their lives were cut short. And you go, why, God? Why does it seem like the righteous suffer? Why does it seem like the good die young? You ever wonder why? What does the Bible have to say about the good dying young and the righteous suffering? The Bible says that God is God. Do we know why? No, we don't know why. God is God. And what we have to do is we have to trust God. And another thing we have to do is we have to make good use of the days that we do have. Amen, saints? We need to make good use of the time that God has given us. I love Proverbs 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days. What is it that I might know how frail I am? And then in Psalm 90, verse 12. Do I have that verse, Psalm 90, verse 12? Look at that. Saints, why don't you read that with me? So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And the thing that we have to do is we have to take the time that God has given us and say, Lord, teach me to number my days. You know, if you were to paraphrase that verse, it might sound something like this. Lord, we don't know how long we got, but help us to be wise stewards over the time we got. Lord, help us to measure our days and not our years. I don't care how young you are and I don't care how old you are. You got to understand something. Death is assigned to every man. Statistics prove. (laughs) 100 out of every 100 people will die. Amen. Everybody's going to die someday. The thing that we have to be mindful of is, Lord, teach me to number my days. That's why you need to live your life with Jesus every single day. You wake up in the morning, Lord, I want to serve you today. You go to bed, Lord, thank you for letting me serve you today. Lord, teach us to number our days. And we don't do that enough. I didn't think I'd get too many amens there. We don't do that enough. We don't, Lord, teach me to number my days. We wake up like, oh, big deal. Don't you know it's a blessing to wake up in the morning? 
It's a blessing to wake up in the morning. Because some folks didn't wake up today. Some people didn't wake up today. So Lord, teach me to number my days. Well, at this time, things are looking pretty bleak for the church. Right now, James is dead. Peter's in prison. Herod is persecuting the church. So when Peter was arrested, he put Peter in custody and, and, and he put four sets of four Roman guards on Peter. In other words, get this, he put 16 guards on Peter to watch him. Why? Because I think that they knew from, Rome, uh, uh, from Acts chapter 5, the last time they put two guards on Peter, they couldn't keep up with him. Peter was a slippery character. And next time they find Peter, he's back in the temple preaching. So they, they feel like, you know, I mean, don't you find it interesting? 16 guards on one guy. That's because they know we, we got to keep a close eye. We need, you know, I mean, 16 times two is what? 32. We need 32 eyes on this guy. And because you never know. 16 times two is 32, right? What? Y'all don't know either? Oh. And Peter's he's a slippery guy. And I got to wonder this. Check it out. I got to wonder. Don't you remember in John chapter 21 when, when Jesus said to Peter, Jesus said in John 21, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished, Peter. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and take you where you don't want to go, Peter. And this Jesus spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. I wonder if as they took Peter... He stretched out his hands and they put him in handcuffs and they took him to prison. I wonder if Peter was walking thinking, yeah, Jesus told me about this. He said someday they're going to come and take me to a place that I I don't want to go. Just wonder. Well, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, underline that, was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. And then the angel in verse 8 said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment or put on your coat and follow me. So he went out in verse nine and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but he thought it was, he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gates that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. You know, that's like at the mall. (laughs) And you got like the sliding glass doors when you walk up and the doors just kind of, They got that from the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. That's the word, okay? They got that. Somebody said, oh, open up his own accord. Well, let's have sliding glass doors. So they went. They went out. They went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from them. And when Peter, in verse 11, had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has plucked me out of his hand, Herod's hand, or delivered me. 
from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Stop right there. Peter is in prison, but the Bible says constant prayer was being offered to God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing for Peter. Now, we have talked about prayer here at the church in many different teachings. I won't take the time to cover it this morning. I do want to read you a few verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. John chapter 15, verse 7, if you're taking notes. If you abide in me and my words in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Here's why, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Saints, listen close. It is important to understand that God is not Santa. (laughs) Making a list, checking it twice, trying to find out who's naughty and nice. Look, God is not Santa. The Bible says that God will answer our prayers according to his will, And he will give us the desires of our hearts because we are asking according to his will. And we are asking for that thing that would glorify God. There's so much teaching today, and I don't have time to go into it. I want to, but I don't have time to. All this talk about increase. There's so much, you know, there's buzzwords that go around in the church. Have you noticed this? There are buzzwords that go around, buzz phrases, and there's a lot of talk in the church today about increase. There is a lot of talk today in the church about you getting what you want from God. You tell God what you want. I heard a guy just the other day, I couldn't believe I almost lost my mind. I'd have pulled out my hair if I had some. (laughs) This guy said, I kid you not, he said that we, we shouldn't pray thy will be done. Because when you pray thy will be done, that's sin. That's not of faith. I'm looking at this guy. I want to throw stuff at the TV. I can't believe you're a heretic saying that. People are going, oh, yeah, amen, the whole church. I mean, there's thousands of people here. Yes, amen, amen. The Bible, listen. (laughs) Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, but what, saints? If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And it should be good enough for you. We want God's will to be done. When you pray and you say, God, I'm asking this. As long as it glorifies the Father, then God will do it. Look, praying for a pink polka dot Cadillac, how does that glorify God? As a matter of fact, that's just ugly. I mean, if you have one, I'm sorry. See, we are to pray and ask a question. God is not the cosmic bellhop waiting to serve you. He's God. 
We are his children. Should we be afraid to ask of him? No, don't ever be afraid to ask. If you really want a pink polka dot Cadillac, okay, fine, ask. It's weird, but ask. (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask. My children are not afraid to ask. I ain't afraid to tell them no either. (laughs) Dad, can I have some money? Oh, you know the answer to that. (laughs) I have one of my kids, and he says to me, he says, Pops, you love to say no, don't you? I said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Don't be afraid to ask, but God is God. Amen, saints? And God will always do what God says he will do, and he'll always bless you. So they're praying for Peter on the last day of Passover. Notice in our text, when Herod would have brought him forth. Did you notice this? When Herod would have brought him forth, verse 6, Peter was sleeping. I find that interesting. Peter loves to sleep. You study the scriptures, you see it is an interesting study. Peter, he's like always sleeping. Whenever something important is going on, Peter is sleeping. And he's probably the only Christian in Jerusalem sleeping this night. I mean, the others were probably at this prayer meeting. Here, Peter is sleeping. So while he is sleeping, an angel shows up in prison and struck Peter probably on the side of the head. And he says, arise, get up quick. Don't you hate it when somebody wakes you up like suddenly like that? Somebody wakes you up like, don't do that. You scared me. And it's interesting because when you look in the scriptures and you see, do a study of angels. Angels are always in a hurry. It is, it's, it's really quick. I mean, it's really interesting. The angels are always in a hurry. So this angel, he, Peter's like knocked out. And this angel, you know, he, he says, arise quickly. And the chains fell off of his hand. Then the angel said, get up. Notice the detail. Get up. Get dressed. Tie up your sandals and put on your coat. And while Peter is doing that, the angel says, the Bible says that Peter doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't know whether it's real or whether it's a vision or what's going on in verse 12. So when he had considered this in verse 12, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, you know, the Bible's hilarious. Look at this. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she didn't open the door. But she ran in and she announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. You're out of your mind. And yet, notice this, She kept insisting. You guys getting the scene here? Peter's knocking on the door. Rhoda comes to the door. Now, mind you, they have been praying for Peter to be released. Peter is released from prison. Are you with me now? Peter is released from prison. And Rhoda comes to the door, and she's happy that it's Peter. She shuts the door. She doesn't even let the man in. She shuts the door. She goes back in. She goes, guys, you will never believe this. You will not believe this. We've been praying for Peter to be released and God has answered our prayers. And the prayer meeting, people say, no way. There's no way in the world God answered our prayers. No, there's no way. That couldn't be Peter. And they're, and they're going back and forth. She's going, yes, he is. He's right out there. Now I'm like, Rhoda, go let the man in. But she goes, no, he's not out there. They're going, no, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. Meanwhile, Peter is standing on the other side of the door and he's probably looking around for the Roman guards. He's probably like, come on, will somebody open the, open the door? 
Oh, they just insisted that it, that it couldn't be. And so they said in verse 15, that it is his angel. No expectation and confidence in prayer here, people, okay? So notice in verse 16, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were shocked. <laughs> but motioning to them, Peter's going, shh, shh, quiet. With his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go and tell these things to James and go to the brethren. And he departed and he went to another place. Then, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. I guess not. They finna get killed. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, He examined the guards and he commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and he stayed there. Now in verse 20, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord and having made Blastus, where does the Bible get some of these names? I mean, can you imagine like his parents just had him? They're like, you know, honey, we got to come up with a name. Maybe we should name him Roger. Or maybe we should name him Shaquan. Or maybe Blastus. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where did you get that name from? I mean, like, is that in the baby book of names or something? What are you going to name him? Blastus. Okay. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.